eyes. The personality of Godhead, however, tore it to pieces with his discus sudarshan, which had a sharp-edged rim, even as Indra cut off a wing of Garuda. You know what the sudarshan chakra is, Michelle? It's this whirling disc that can like cut anything, you know, kill anything that that the Lord can can invoke when He wants it. It, it just comes and it He can send it, you know. So, personality of God had tore this uh, trident to pieces with his Sudarshan Chakra. So, text 15, I guess I'll just repeat the Sanskrit and we'll go on. You have that, Bhakti Raja, on your phone? Or? No. Vrikne Swashule Bahudharina Hare. Pratyeta Vishtirnam Uro Vibhutimat Pravridhas Yosha Sakatora Mushtina Nadan Pratrityantara Diyata Shuraha Okay, uh, anybody want to repeat that? <laughs> okay, word by word meanings. Vrikne when cut, when cut, swashule, swashule, his his trident, his trident, bahudha, bahudha, too many pieces, too many pieces, arena, arena, by the sudarshan chakra, by the sudarshan chakra, harehe, of the supreme personality of Godhead, of the supreme personality of Godhead, pratyeta, pratyeta, I'm sorry, pratyeta, pratyeta. After advancing towards, after advancing towards, bishtirnam, bishtirnam, broad, broad, uraha, uraha. What is uraha? You know, Ura, huh? Yeah. Anger it means a chest. I never heard that one. But what's the other word for chest? Hiranyakashipu's chest, vaksha. Yeah, it's a different one. Uraha, chest. Here, everybody got it. Uh, Vibhuti Mutt, the abode of the goddess of fortune. Pravridha, having been increased. Roshaha, anger. <laughs> Saha, Hiranyaksha, Katora, hard. Mushtina, with his fist, Nadan, roaring, Pravritya, after striking, Antaradiyata, disappeared, Asuraha, the demon. Translation by His Divine Grace, Yudha Prabhupada. The demon was enraged when his trident was cut to pieces by the discus of, this, of the personality of Godhead. He therefore advanced towards the Lord and roaring aloud struck his hard fist against the Lord's broad chest, which bore the mark of Srivatsa. Then he went out of sight. Want to repeat that? The demon, the demon. when enraged when his trident was cut to pieces, by the discus of the personality of Godhead. He was enraged when this. Okay, he therefore advanced toward the Lord. He therefore advanced towards Lord. And roaring aloud, roaring aloud, struck his hard fist against the Lord's broad chest, which bore the mark of Srivatsa. Then he went out of sight. <laughs> that was kind of strange. Purport, short purport about the Shivatsa uh, mark. Shivatsa is a curl of white hair on the chest of the Lord, which is a special sign of his being the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In Vaikuntha Loka or in Goloka Vrindavan, the inhabitants are exactly of the same form as the Personality of Godhead. But by this Srivatsa mark on the chest of the Lord, he is distinguished from all others.
I was born in the darkness of ignorance, our spiritual masters. Srila Prabhupada is opening my eyes with a torchlight of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisance unto him and all members of Sri Parampara. Vrikne Swashule Bahudarina Hare Patyetya Vishtirnam Uro Bibhutimat Pravridha Roshak Sarak Sakatora Mushtina Nadan Prarityatara Yantara Dhyatashura Suraha Too much for me. Translation The demon was enraged when his trident was cut to pieces by the discus of the personality of Godhead. He therefore advanced towards the Lord and roaring aloud struck his hard fist against the Lord's broad chest, which bore the mark of Sri Vatsa. Then he went out of sight. So Srila Prabhupada says that this is the identifying mark uh, on the chest of the Lord. No one else has this but these all the uh, Vishnu expansions also have that same mark. That was what Dhirodhata Prabhu pointed out the other day. I wasn't aware of that. Where does that come up in the tenth canto? That if the uh, personal expansions of the Lord have also have that mark. Anybody know one place that that is discussed? It's got to do with Lord Brahma and his little efforts there and with the calves and whatnot. So uh, when Lord Brahma stole the Lord's friends, the little cowherd boys, and put them all in a cave and put them to sleep and the cows and stuff, Krishna expanded himself and made, just duplicated all of his friends so it didn't look like any were missing. But later, uh, this went on for a year before Lord Brahma realized what, you know, he wondered about it, thought about it, but. Finally, uh, somehow or another, different things happened. One was that the, the mothers of the cowherd boys started feeling some special, more love for their child, you know. And they were actually Vishnu forms, and this, I guess, was displayed at some point. They, they showed their forearm forms, but they also had the marks on them. So this is proof that, that these weren't just the other friends, the jiva souls, they were... And then later on, Lord Brahma apologized and the uh, real friends came back and whatnot. There's a couple other places in the Bhagavatam that this Sri uh, Vatsa Mark is talked about. There's one funny story. If somebody can remember this, I'll be down on the floor to give my obeisances. But this is a, kind of a nice story. Dr. Raj, you may know this. I mean... Uh, Oh, yeah, that's another. Is the Srivatsa mark mentioned there? Maybe? Yeah, okay, but th that's the chest, yeah. Hare Krishna, much. Well, there's one, one kind of amazing story, and this is when uh, Lord Shiva asked to see the Mohini Murti. How do you say that? Mohini Murti form. The Lord displayed this extremely beautiful, attractive form of a female to trick the demons when the demons and the demigods were fighting to get this pot of nectar. It would give them strength and maybe immortality. So he, he showed this form and the demons were so bewildered that the Mohini Murti just went and gave the nectar to the demigods right in front of them, and they couldn't protest because they were just so, you know, focused on her beauty, you know, to say, let her do whatever. And we see this in the material world too, actually. They say a pretty girl can get away with anything. So this was an extreme situation. <laughs> but afterwards, uh, Lord Shiva heard about this form and wanted to see it. So he asked the Lord, can I, you please show me this form? And uh, he was, I re from what I remember, he was thinking that he wouldn't, you know, be so much affected because after all, he's almost Lord Vishnu. Lord Shiva is kind of above, said sometimes that he's above the, the modes of nature, even though he's kind of, uh, how you say it, 
he associates with the mode of ignorance and he's in charge of that mode but he's you know called Mahadev he's the greatest devotee he's always meditating on Vishnu he's pretty much mostly protected from the modes of nature but he asked so he asked to see this form the Lord said okay this form is very much uh, prized by those who are lusty and I will show you this form what did I write down about this? Is that I didn't bring the tenth canto, but anyway. So Lord Shiva sees this form. It's a beautiful girl. She's bouncing a ball. She just a, a kind of appears at the edge of the woods, and Lord Shiva's there with his wife Parvati, and they see this girl bouncing a ball, and she is beautiful. You know, it's just, um, and. Uh, you can see all of her body parts when she's bouncing up and down with his body part practically with her clothes and they, her clothes and it says her hair starts to loosen and she there's something very attractive about her trying to put her hair back and bounce the ball at the same time and uh, and she glances at Lord Shiva and he thinks that oh she might be attracted so he kind of follows her you know wants to talk to her and she kind of runs away and, and hides behind trees and things like that and it just you know agitates him more she tries to get away from him but she's also looking at him and kind of smiling so he thinks oh she's she is attracted to me so he runs after her and in trying to catch her he discharges his semen um, and right in front of his wife in front of other people that are there the the ghosts and the hobgoblins that are always with Lord Shiva, they all see this. And uh, so, but the thing is, um, somehow or another, it's pointed out, I don't know if the Lord is right there or whether he, he realizes that he's been bewildered by the Lord himself. And he's not embarrassed, even though it's the most embarrassing situation. He's, he, he's done this in front of his wife, his own wife, you know. But he realized that the that the Lord is so uh, has such unusual powers that he could he could bewilder even me, Lord Shiva's thinking. So he doesn't show any sign of embarrassment. He's actually smiling and he's very happy. So yes, this is this is Krishna. He can do anything, you know. And uh, the Lord is so happy when he when he sees Lord Shiva's reaction because he doesn't show false ego that you know oh. You know, he's not embarrassed. And this is a, one of the qualities of a person in knowledge, actually. This anahankara. Like in chapter 13 of Bhagavad Gita, there's listed all these items of knowledge. Um, so it says, uh, that second verse, Indriyarte shu vairagyam anahankara evacha. Um, Indriyarte shu vairagyam means detachment from the objects of the senses. Anahankara evacha. Who know, you know the rest of that verse? Um, anyway. So, yeah. So, the Lord is so happy with him, he embraces him. And it says in there, the, the statement is that he, he uh, embraces him and touches him with this mark of Srivat's on his, to his bosom, to the bosom of Lord Shiva. So, I thought that was... I had completely forgotten about that until I read, until I looked up the reference. And, but I remembered Lord Shiva's... Uh, go ahead. What did you say about the little curl of hair? Shibatsa. It, it's a little tuft of white hair. Little tuft of white hair. And only Krishna has that or his direct expansions. Mm -hmm. That's something else we could point out. There are different expansions. We're all expansions. We're said to be expansions. We're minute particles of spirit. So... There's Sanskrit words for this also. Anybody know what a, a personal expansion of the Lord is equivalent to the Lord in, in all ways, except for just a couple of qualities. Um, and there, there's a name for that type of expansion, like Lord Vishnu, Lord Narayan, all the Chaturvyuha expansions. There's a name for those kind of expansions. Anybody know the Sanskrit? It's a type of Angsha. Angsha means... Swaangsha. Swa huh, yeah. It's called Swaangsha. Swaangsha Vibhuti. 
And then the jiva souls, the tiny living entities, they have another word. Anybody know what that one is? Vibhinanksha. Yeah, very good. Vibhinanksha vibhuti. Vibhuti means expansion. So, um, where else is this mentioned? I brought Canto 2 here. In the ninth chapter, before we get to the Chatur Shloki part of Srimad Bhagavatam, there's a section that talks about the inhabitants of the Vaikuntha planets who are described as having a glowing sky bluish complexion. Their eyes resemble lotus flowers. Their dress is of yellowish color and their bodily features very attractive. They are just the age of growing youth. They all have four hands. Who does this remind you of? <laughs> Krishna or Vishnu himself. They are all, these are just the inhabitants of Vaikuntha planets. They are all nicely decorated with pearl necklaces with ornamental medallions. They all appear to be effulgent. Um, Vaikuntha planets are also surrounded by various airplanes, all glowing and brilliantly situated. These airplanes belong to the great Mahatmas or devotees of the Lord. It says, the goddess of fortune in her transcendental form is engaged in loving service of the Lord's lotus feet. And being moved by black bees, followers of spring, she is not only engaged in variegated pleasure, service to the Lord, along with her constant companion, but is companions, but is also engaged in singing the glories of the Lord's activities. Then it says, the personality of Godhead himself seen, seen leaning for, favorably towards his long loving servitors, his very sight intoxicating and attractive, appeared to be very much satisfied. He had a smiling face decorated with an enchanting reddish hue. He was dressed in yellow robes and wore earrings and a helmet on his head. He had four hands and his chest was marked with the lines of the goddess of fortune. So sometimes when you hear this description of, of the Lord, you'll, you'll talk about just lines on the chest. And that's all Srila Prabhupada says in the purport. That is also Srivat's mark. So sometimes it's I'm just for my own information for yours. Sometimes it's lines. Sometimes it's a tuft of white hair. There's another place in the Bhagavatam where it's described as a tuft of fine yellow hair. The word for yellow is, you might know what that is? Pitta? Yeah, Pitta. Huh? Yeah. Oh, right. So uh, in, in Ayurveda, they speak of the three... Um, doshas, one of his, oh, that's different. But it's yellowish because that refers to mucus, right, or something, or bile, bile and mucus, yeah. So, uh, so other than these, uh, These marks, the other thing, what is one other? This is not a bodily mark, it's something on the body. Kastura? Yeah. Kastoba jewel? Yeah, Kastura. And I just heard yesterday that it has a certain carving on it. Yeah. Huh? It's a jewel. It has a form of a certain animal. Do you, do you know about this? Yeah. A cow. That's true. I've never, I've never read that or heard it, but... So there's a jewel that he wears around his neck. It's, it's a special one. Nobody else has this. It's called a kashtoba. We say kashtua. I don't know. It looks like kashtoba to me. I know a guy named Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. And just for fun, I thought there are certain bodily symptoms of the great per, of the of a great personality. And when when Lord Krishna was a baby, these these things were seen. 
he had these bodily features of, you know, and they wrote on there, this is probably, you know, maybe the supreme person. And also when Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nimai, was, was a child, they saw these marks on the floor that, that had some interesting uh, things on them. Like uh, what, what were some of the marks? A thunderbolt, a lotus flower on the footprint. And uh, arrow, arrow, maybe. No, what do you mean? Huh? He's heading. Oh, bull? on the footprint though. There's, there's. Uh, arrow wasn't mentioned in what I read, bull? but huh? Boat, no. It could be, you know, maybe there was, but uh, it was a discus, uh, thunderbolt, and uh, lotus flower, and uh, an elephant goad, the stick that you control an elephant with. And Nimai, Lord Chaitanya's mother, was looking at this and wondering, what, where did those come from? You know, they hadn't seen him on, the, on his feet yet. And so she asked Jagannath Mishra, well, what do you think this came from? Anybody know what his explanation was that he thought of? Because they didn't think it came from their son. You know this etiology? You've been diving into the Chaitanya Charitamrita. What is it? What was it? Where do they think? Huh? Um, I think it's in the Adi Lila. Yeah. Could be. Well, what I read was that Jagannath Mishra had the idea that maybe the Shalagram Sheila had, had come in his personal form and was performing pastimes and had walked through their house and made these footprints. <laughs> so it's from Shalagram Sheila. Oh, maybe Shalagram Sheila in his personal form. That was funny. So anyway, there's 32 bodily symptoms of a great personality, and they saw these in, in Nimai. Um, five are large, five are fine, seven are reddish, six raised, three small, three broad, and three grave. So just for the fun of it, can anybody name any of the five large character qualities? Character. <laughs> I just, it's fun to go through these areas because you only see them, you know, once in a blue moon. Or I, at least me, I do. Five large things. Okay. Huh? The disc. No, these are actually bodily parts. One is the nose. No, not quite. That's one of the broad ones, I think. So the large bodily parts are the nose, the arms. He has legs. big, huh? Legs. Knees. The knees are large. I don't know. He has large knees. That's a, it's an auspicious. <laughs> so, <laughs> some people are embarrassed about having large bony knees, but, huh? Yes. And the other one is the, yeah, he has a large chin. Uh, five fine features. Huh? Yes, teeth. His fingertips. Fingertips are very fine. His skin is fine. His bodily hair is fine, and the hair on his head is also fine. Now, seven reddish parts. The lips, yes, the upper and the lower lips, that's two out of seven. The eyes. Well, not the whole hand. The palm. And the, what part of the feet? The soles. And the nails apparently are reddish. And one or this is real obscure to me. The palate. The palate in the mouth. So if you want to know, you look and say, you show me that palate. <laughs> if he has a big red palate, I don't know, maybe he's eating too many chilies. Uh, six raised. Six raised parts. Raised? Mm-hmm. Raised. I'll give you a hint. One of them is his nose. His nose is raised. Another is, anybody think of anything that might be raised? Yeah. Uh, it's not in the list. Yeah. Chest. Yeah. <laughs> is a, did you say? Yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, shoulders. Shoulders. 
stomach. Let me see here. Males nose. Waist. The waist is, I guess, a little higher. That's all. Also, one of the, no, yeah, one of the broad. He has a broad waist, which is a little different because you would think, you know, maybe they paint. You know, our Western idea of what's beautiful. You got a small waist and huge shoulders, I guess. But no, he has a broad waist. He has a broad chest. Well, he has a raised chest, raised shoulders, um, raised nails. I don't know, maybe he has thick nail beds. A raised nose, a raised waist, and a raised mouth somehow. Okay, sm three small parts. No. Huh? Huh? No. His neck. His neck, his thighs are small, I guess, compared to his, the lower part of his leg. And the male organ is small, you know. Then the three broad, um, we, we already talked about one of those. You talked about one. What is it? Forehead is broad. The chest is broad. And the waist. The waist. Now three, these are the last three grave parts. Very grave. 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 Grave usually means serious or, you know. Eyebrows? Nope. <laughs> the navel. And so I guess grave can mean deep or something. It's considered grave. His voice and his existence. His existence. Uh, I wanted to quote two things from the Sri Bhaktisiddhanta Bhai Bhava. Now that we're talking about how to distinguish the Lord from others, there's one really nice quote that I've never had a chance to say about, but I really like it. I don't know if I can say the Sanskrit right. You can say it better probably. Kahe mane, kahe na mane, tanra sabadas. Se na mane, tarahoi, se papenash. Huh? Oh, it's Bengali. Oh, that's what I mean, Bengali. So you should know that. Kahe mane, kahe na mane. Tanra Sabadas. Some, yeah, well. Some don't accept, right? Yes. Some accept him. Someone may accept him. Someone may not accept him. Yet all are his servants. One who does not accept him becomes destroyed by his own sinful activities. That's the meaning of that Bengali verse. That's, that's amazing, huh? Someone may accept him, or he may not accept him, but we're all his servants, everyone. And if you don't accept him, then you become ruined by your own sinful activities. Um, I had another one. Oh, there's a statement by Lord Shiva that's talked about in Sri uh, Bhaktisarantha Vai Baba. It says, Muktipare Pradata Sarvisham Vishnur. Uh, you can say what that means. Is that? No, that's Sanskrit. Mukti Pare Pradata. One who gives the liberation. Uh huh. Sarvesham. To everyone. Mukti Pare Pradata Sarvesham Vishnur. So, who, who is the one that gives liberation to everyone? Vishnu. So Lord Shiva is admitting that Lord Vishnu is the one who can, because many people approach Lord Vishnu or Lord Shiva thinking he can give them any boon, even up to liberation from this world. But Lord Shiva is saying, Mukti Pare Pradata Sarvisham Vishnur. That Lord Vishnu is the one who gives liberation to, to everyone. And he says, Evan Nasangshaya. What does that mean? There's no doubt about this. Even the Sangshaha, he's confirming. 
So he's called Mahadev, Lord Shiva. He's the greatest devotee. And he said that he's always meditating on how, how to deliver other people. How can we help these foolish rascals become devotees? <laughs> Therefore, Srila Prabhupada said he's the greatest thinker, Lord Shiva. He, his mind is, is the greatest of all because he's always thinking how, how to deliver these foolish rascals. <laughs> he's usually surrounded by, you know, people in the mode of ignorance. He, they follow him around. They're very attracted to him. He smokes ganja, you know, and he's in a crematorium and he, you know, he has ashes all over his body and he, he, they just appreciate everything about Lord Shiva. They're so attracted, they follow him everywhere. And, uh, but Lord Shiva, also uh, Parvati Devi, Lord Shiva's wife, asked him, of all types of worship, what is the, what is the, the greatest type of worship? Vishnu. What is it? What is it? Worship. Yeah. All the worship, the highest worship is Vishnu's worship. Yeah. Worship of Lord Vishnu. I thought you were going to quote the whole thing. Aradhananam Sarvisham Vishnu. But, um, yeah. Tasmat Parataran. No, no, that's not. Is it? Parataran. Tadiyanam. Samartan. Samartan, yeah. Tadiyanam refers to those who are connected with the Supreme Person. In other words, the devotees, the pure devotees. So Lord Shiva's statement to his wife about what is the greatest type of worship. The greatest type of worship is the worship of Lord Vishnu, of all types of worship, worshiping Lord Vishnu. But even superior to that is the worship of the pure devotees who are connected with, with the Supreme Lord. So uh, we get from that that the Lord appreciates when he sees us worshiping a, a pure devotee. You know, he likes that. He, does, he, he prefers that to us trying to come to him. In other words, you know, possibly in your own mind, by stepping the pure devotee, you know, he doesn't, um, he prefers that we, you know, just like, say, you wanted to see the President of the United States. If you demand to see the President of the United States, he won't, he won't see you. But if you do something for his child or some, or his wife, say, Srila Prabhupada says, if you give his dog a little two-cent lozenge, you know, something that the dog likes, then, then the President may recognize you. Oh, you've... You've done something for my dog. Thank you very much. Who are you? What's your name? You know. So that's better than than trying trying to see the president. I want to see the president. You know. Who are you? <laughs> Why should you? So, anyway. Anybody have any comments? Eight forty four. I brought something to read about uh, Chatur Mushi because that started a day or two ago. You know what Chatur Mushi is? It's a four month period. Chatur means four. Mushi means month. It starts during the rain at the first of the monsoon season because it's so rainy in India, many parts of it, that people just don't even move around much. And the sannyasis are supposed to wander and preach. They don't stay in one place. But during this special month, because of the heavy rains, they will stay somewhere and they will, but they will do all these austerities. And so it's mentioned, some really simple austerities are mentioned for us especially on our Vaishnav calendar. This month, we're supposed to avoid green leafy vegetables, eating these cooked green leafy vegetables like spinach and also, uh, what are some of the other ones that you don't want to put in your cooking? Mostly it's uh, sad, which means Yeah, but there's one of like a, a spice, not parsley, but... Oh, curry leaves. Even curry leaves are not supposed to. So there's some austerities that, that uh, are done. And so people ask, well, I'm not a sannyasi. I'm not in India. Do I have to follow this? You know, the first month it's, it's leafy green vegetables like spinach. The next month it's yogurt. The next month it's milk. You don't drink milk for a month. And then there's uh, urad dal. It's special, one of the beans, urad. You know, and it comes at the end. And this all ends in the month of Kartik at uh, certain Ikadashi. It starts on Ikadashi and ends on Ikadashi, maybe, I think. So people always ask every year, 
do I have, do we do devotees have to follow that? Nobody says we have to follow that. We're just told to chant Hare Krishna and follow the four regular principles, and we don't have to follow Chaturmas. But then other people don't like it if they see, you know, green leafy vegetables, and well, we're not. Why are we having that? It's, we don't do that this month, you know. So anyway, there was a nice article on Dundavites. I, I was telling you about Dundavites. Did you see that website? You did. Okay, good. So there's always nice articles on there. There's usually a new one every day. But two days ago, at the start of Chaturmasha, there was this article, on it, and some of the information in here was, I thought, was really helpful. And you know, not like uh, overbearing or anything. Like you know, you're gonna go to hell for sure if you don't follow this Chaturmasha. You know, but encouraging that that to do some austerities during this part of the the year is beneficial. And these are pretty easy austerities, really, you know, those four. So, Why Follow Chaturmasha is the name of the article. And I don't have it written down who wrote it, but... Uh, first off, uh, uh, there's a quote from Madhyalila, Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, Madhyalila 4, purport. Srila Prabhupada says, The real purpose behind the vow taken during these four months is to minimize the quantity of sense gratification. This is not very difficult. So our practice in general is to, you know, in little ways, progressively, you know, try to limit our sense gratification, not to be, you know, just trying to enjoy the world. That's what, that's why we came here. We're not trying to increase that. We're trying to minimize, you know, make it less. The Srila Prabhupada points that out. In the purport to Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhyalila 4, 169, Srila Prabhupada writes that the Chaturmasha period begins in the month of Ashada. June, July, from the day of Ekadashi, called Sayana Ekadashi. Sorry if I mispronounced that. The period ends in the month of Kartik on the Ekadashi day known as Uttana Ekadashi. This four-month period is known as Chaturmasha. In the Sri Hari Bhakti Vilas, it is recommended that for the first month of Chaturmasha, which is known as Shravana, one should give up eating any green leafy vegetables. This includes, but is not limited to, all types of spinach, coriander, curry leaves, basil, and other herbs. So that's the month we just started, two days ago. In the second month, known as Bhadrapada, August and September, one should avoid eating yogurt. It doesn't say, that's kind of, I, I like that language. It doesn't say, don't eat that. It says, avoid it, you know, if, if possible. You may be somewhere where that's all there is to eat, you know, who knows, but try to avoid it. It's a simple thing. For the third month, Ashvana, it is recommended one should abstain from milk. In the last month, Kartik, one should not eat white lentils, Masura and Uradals. Masura? Masura? Masura dal is a type of dal. It's what? It's a type of dal. Yeah. Like. I've never seen that or heard of it. As far as I know, I've yeah, those are actually for billing, for mm. all for Oh, for uh, for devotees, they have too much protein. Yes. Is that right? Interesting. In the Varaha Purana, it describes the significance and origin of Chaturmasha period. Once Mother Earth approached approached Lord Varaha, the boar incarnation of the Lord, and expressed her concerns about the people who take birth in Kali Yuga. She pointed out how these people are ignorant, short-lived, and always afflicted with weakness and disease. And she begged the Lord to reveal a method which would allow the people of Kali Yuga to get great benefits with very little effort. Seeing her concern, Lord Varaha smiled and explained that the auspicious four-month period of Chaturmasha Masha gives many benefits to a person who performs any sort of austerity. Whether it is doing a fire sacrifice, offering charity, or simply chanting the holy names of the Lord, the benefits of performing such an endeavor during Chaturmasha are countless. Performing such activities during Chaturmasha results in even greater benefit than observing the same austerities during other months of the year. Even during Kartik, well, Kartik is part of they overlap somehow. There's amazing benefits to doing anything in Kartik. It's just like a thousand times the benefit, you know. 
some some devotees maybe will chant the verses of Brahma Sangita every day during Kartik, Kartik, and you get a huge you know return for it. It's not just like doing it on a regular day. So anyway, it says during this four month period, even greater benefit than austerities during other months. Lord Varaha continued to explain that these four months are the resting and rising times of the demigods and of the Supreme Creator. He recalled that once he was sitting on top of Mount Meru when the celestials approached him and pardoned themselves for the night. Lord Varaha says, just as they were about to retire for the night, a dark complexioned lady adorned with sparkling white cloth and holding a battle axe in her hand approached the Lord and prostrated herself before him. After offering suitable prayers to the Lord, she identified herself as Ratri, the overseer of this part of the year. So there's actually a person that, that oversees things in this part of the year. That's interesting. And her name is Ratri. She expressed her anguish at being termed as an inauspicious time of the year. Since the Supreme Lord and the demigods take rest during her four months, auspicious activities such as marriages aren't performed. Is that, that's true. Marriages aren't performed during Chaturmasha. I never knew that. Having lost her will to live because of this, she begged the Lord to show some mercy towards her. Hearing her plea, the assembled demigods prayed to the Lord, asking him to kindly bestow mercy upon Ratri. Being pleased with the prayers of the demigods, the Lord Varaha granted a boon to Ratri Devi. He said, O oh, Ratri, you have three yamas. One yama is two months. Out of these three yamas, the first two yamas will henceforth become dear to me. Any pious deed performed during these two yamas brings forth immense merits. Among these four months of Shravana, Bhadrapada, Ashvina, and Kartik, Ashvina and Kartik, the merits accrued will increase day by day. That is the reason why the last month, Kartik, is most beneficial in all respects. Upon receiving this boon, Ratri Devi became pacified, pacified and happily returned to her abode. Lord Varaha concluded by explaining to Bhumi Devi, who's Bhumi Devi? Mother Earth. Mother Earth. Is she in the form of a cow always? Bhumi Devi. That from that time onward, he benevolently grants great merits to one who performs pious activities and austerities. Hearing this, Mother Earth felt peaceful. So that's kind of interesting because a lot of times in our philosophy, we, we don't act so interested in pious activities and Austerity is done for pious reasons so much because we're trying to encourage people to surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, get to know Him, understand His mentality and try to serve Him and not just try to perform what our idea might be of pious activities, which may be full of faults. You know, there may be faults there just like giving meat to some homeless people or not. You know, that may be pious to help the, the homeless, but that's, that's an example. Anyway, it says that Bhumi Devi was pacified when he granted great merits are, are given to one who performs pious activities and austerities during that time. In the Sri Hari Bhakti Vilas, the observation of Chaturmash is explicitly described. There are various observances which if strictly followed will amount to great merit. For example, if one rests on the ground or on stone, they will become an associate of Lord Vishnu. I heard when I read about Mother Teresa that she refused to sleep on anything but a hard stone. And she, you know, these nuns came and joined her order and she would also she wouldn't let them. And the whole idea was that we don't want to be better than the people that are suffering on the street, homeless and whatnot. They don't have a place to sleep. They're sleeping on the hard ground. So I have to sleep on the hard ground also to, to get empathy for these people. That was Mother Teresa. So 
Um, it says, for example, if one rests on the ground or on stone, they become an associate of Lord Vishnu. Or if one refrains from speaking nonsense, prajalpa. Have you heard that word before? Prajalpa. Lord Chaitanya said, there are three things you should not do. Never do. He told his, his uh, devotees. One is never speak prajalpa. Village talk, you call it gramyakata. That's, uh, you know, unnecessary talk, you know. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? Or, you know, gossip, things like that. Mundane talk. Never speak gramyakata. Never eat very palatable food. Don't get used to eating things that are really rich and, you know, eat simply, he was saying. And what's the third one? Anybody remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't like that, but I, this is not one of the things that I remember. He said, never read mundane literature, like uh, mundane poetry, magazines, novels, you know, especially sex novels and things that are people are so much into now, you know. Don't read these mundane literatures, even like magazines and stuff. Lord Chaitanya. Um, of course, his, his devotees were very renounced because they were they had his association. I mean, if you could associate directly with God, would you be interested in other things like, like that? It's just like, if you had good dive of chocolate in front of you, would you bother with uh, kiss, Hershey's Kisses or what? <laughs> you know, this cheap candy they sell in the drugstore? No. So... Uh, if one refrains from speaking nonsense, prajapa, one's order will never be disobeyed. Interesting. But if you, if you can, if you keep this austerity, then what I get that from that is your your speaking becomes purified, and others will will not tend to want to go against whatever you ask them to do. If you or if you have to give someone an order, they won't. You know, you purify your speech. Anybody familiar with the Toltec? The four um, agreements in Toltec wisdom. Anybody heard those? First one is, anybody know? To purify your speech. The one, huh? Purify your words, purify your speech. Yeah. The other one is, one other one is always do your best in any situation. It may not be your, you may not be able to do your best in a certain situation, but you try to do your best. Another one is to, uh, um, yeah, to not uh, take things personally. Whatever other people are speaking about, don't assume it's about you or, or even if they're accusing you of something, we don't take it personally. Um, it's usually more about the person than it is about you anyway. And the fourth one is don't make assumptions. When somebody is speaking about anything, don't let your mind go towards, oh, he's talking about this, he's saying this for this reason, I know what he's up to, you know, all these kind of mental things which I tend to do, you know, which I try not to do that. Those are the fourth. The second one was um, do your best, always. Do your best. What in 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 any in certain circumstances, whatever you can do your as far as possible, do your best. Even though it may not turn out to be your best. Um, so, if one refrains from speaking nonsense, prajapa, one's order will never be disobeyed. There are many such observances that can be performed if one follows any of these relatively simple vruts. The benefits received from such an austerity greatly outweigh the austerities endured, thus giving people in the age of Kali a chance to attain, obtain great merit and advancement. It is stated in the Nectar of Devotion that by following the regulative principles of Chaturmasya, and there's a lot of them, you know, like not shaving, not cutting your hair, not cutting your fingernails, there's many things. Um, sometimes, well, anyway, I don't want to speak about things I don't really know that about. The, the observance, the obs observation of Chaturmasya is meant to increase one's devotion to Lord Krishna. 
and to decrease sense gratification. So whatever is done doing chaturmasya should support one's sadhana and service and should not inhibit it. So you don't want to take up things that will distract or cut into your practice. Like, you know, if you, if you don't, if you have to do some service, you need to energy and you need to eat something. So if there's only one food available and it's forbidden during that month, you don't say, I'm not eating that this month. And then you go go sleep somewhere and don't do your service. Things like that. You have to use your intelligence. Um, it's meant to increase one's devotion to Lord Krishna. should not inhibit it. The four-month period of Chaturmasya is an opportunity for devotees and non-devotees alike to reap immense spiritual benefit from the performance of the simplest austerities to the best of one's ability. It is the quality of one's vrata rather than the quantity that is most pleasing to Krishna. So any effort made for the pleasure of the Lord is greatly appreciated and well rewarding. Krishna appreciation, we just remember him, think of him for any reason. So we can make a little vrata, you know, and help us to remember Krishna and he's pleased. In a purport of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, this is the last paragraph, it's 902. Srila Prabhupada explains how the observation of Chaturmasya is obligatory for those in all ashrams. He emphasizes this as an opportunity for people to reduce their amount of sense gratification. This is the real purpose behind the observation of Chaturmasya. The basic observance of avoiding leafy greens, yogurt, milk, and masura and uradals, and increasing one's sadhana is sufficient for one to ob obtain limitless mercy from the Lord. Such is the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So he's pointing out that these are actually very simple to do, you know, to avoid leafy greens for one month. Grantarad Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Thank you.